apparently we're also looking for volunteers to clean up glitter afterwards. Confetti, Confetti I'm sorry. Um, fun song, they were having fun with it. That song has some good memories for me. Last month we were down in Indianapolis. We uh, got to have our grandson for the night. He was in the backseat of the car. He doesn't talk much. And uh, we were told he likes music, so we had the radio on. And we started hearing noises out of the back seat that seemed fairly coordinated. And we started listening carefully. And we had this Taylor Swift song on. And every time she got to me, he, he, that's what he was doing. Me, he, he, ooh, hoo, hoo. We turned the song up and just laughed our heads off because he was belting it out. So it's not just a fun song to sing with your grandson. It's also pretty true. You're unique. There's just something about you that's different than everybody else. Someday, they may be able to clone your DNA. But what won't come with that are your memories, your personality, your experiences, your view of the world that you've developed over time. You do have a uniqueness that we've got to pay attention to and figure out what are we going to do with all of that. But that wasn't the whole message of the song because <laughs> there was another part of it too. Did you hear the part? Where they said, I can be a psycho on the phone, right? We had this fight in the rain. I sometimes make it all about me. You heard all of that. That's the messiness part of us too. I've kind of coined a new word. I invented it. Nobody liked it in the first service. I don't care. I'm sticking with it. Unique mess. Come on, that's good. You're a unique mess. Yeah, one person. Thanks. Okay, maybe I'll make it simpler for you. Oh, yeah. No, no. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm not going to take a mercy clap, all right? It's got to be genuine. So I'm just going to say it this way. You are a fixer-upper. Don't bump the person next to you. Don't decide to text that out to somebody that needs to hear that right now. You are a fixer-upper. You've got issues that you've got to face and so does the person that you're with. So um, if you've ever wondered why relationships are hard, all relationships, we're, we're specifically going to talk about marriage, but this is about all relationships, is because there are two fixer-uppers trying to figure out how to relate and connect and talk with each other. And it's difficult. Now, God must have thought it was possible because his idea was that two fixer-uppers could become one. And so if we take some advice from him, maybe we can figure out a way to allow that oneness to shine through. Uh, I want to take you to a section of scripture where we're going we're to look at a big idea today that I think the scriptures promote that will help you build, strengthen your relationships, especially in marriage. Paul was talking to the church. He uses marriage as an example of how we should love each other. And he gets to verse 33 in chapter 5 of Ephesians, and he summarizes, and he says this. However, each one of you must love his wife. He starts with the husbands, and he says how much you should love as he loves himself. That is a lot of love. I've been on mission trips. I've seen some of you guys in front of a mirror. That's a lot of love right there. Things should be going well at home. Right? If you love your wife as much as you love yourself, and then it switches. 
And he says this just to the ladies. And the wife must respect her husband. I've grown up in church. I've heard a lot of teaching from this section of scripture. And almost every time I've heard it, I've heard people make this kind of detailed analysis. Um, Husbands, you need to love your wives because they respond to love. Wives, you need to respect your husbands because they respond to respect. And at some level, I understand that. I, I get it. When, what, um, when Tracy disrespects me, I don't do well. I don't like it. And uh, we can butt heads when that happens. But can I tell you my experience with her? When I disrespect Tracy, it turns out she doesn't like it either. And when, and when either of us are feeling disrespected, there's probably a clash that's going to happen fairly shortly after that. It's why I think maybe... Peter includes this in his instruction to husbands and wives. So in 1 Peter chapter 3, he starts talking to the ladies. And he says, listen, I'm trying to help you figure out how to submit to each other. And he gives them some really good feedback. And then in verse 7, he says, husbands, in the same way, I'm trying to get you to submit to each other. I want you to be considerate as you live with your wives And then he says this to the husbands, and he didn't say it to the the ladies. And treat them with respect. As weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, now get this, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Guys, I don't know if you know this or not, but you can build a barrier between you and God based on how you treat your spouse. And if you treat her with disrespect, it will show up in your connection and relationship with God. This ought to be like a flashing light ought to be going off. This must be pretty important. If this is instruction given to both women and to men, and it has that kind of consequence, then this is something that we would need in our relationship. Respect. Which makes a ton of sense until you hear how it's practiced in our culture. I've had a lot of conversations with couples who are in the midst of difficulties. And the issue of respect comes up. And here's the kind of things I hear. And I don't just hear it in relationships. I hear it in the workplace. I hear it all over the place. We have these views about respect. Respect is not something that I give. Respecting is something, respect is something you earn. You do the right thing, you do it at the right time, you do it often enough, and I will give you respect. But until that point, I'm going to withhold it. Can you imagine the difficulty that causes in a relationship when you're waiting for that other person to do the things that you think are right at the right time and the right way before you will offer them any kind of respect? It's not just that. I've heard people talk about respect this way, too. I'll give respect to people who give me respect. But the second they withdraw it, I'm taking mine back, too. If if that's not a recipe for lightning striking in a relationship, I don't know what is. I'll treat you with some respect, but if I think you're withdrawing it, I'm coming after you. Like, it's going to be on. And I don't have to treat you with respect because you haven't treated me with it. And we have this kind of reciprocal thing. I've I've heard couples also talk about kind of splitting their respect. 
I'm going to give them some props in this area. I'll give them a little bit of respect here. But over here, I have no respect for them at all. And it seems like that's sensible because it's based on something specific that's happening. But as I've watched this unfold in relationships, almost every time, what happens is the negative part of that disrespect grows and grows. And pretty soon, it will consume all views. And what started as being just this little thing that I didn't have respect for, ends up showing up in the whole relationship. Now here's the thing. From what I just read in the scriptures and the views that we have of respect, those things do not connect. There was, there was no, hey, I'm going to give you a thing that you have to see before you give respect to your spouse. The scripture said, respect them. Now, one of the things I love, I really appreciate about the scriptures, is that when you see an instruction like that, uh, many times what you'll find is there's no list that follows it. You would think, if you want me to respect, just show me, boom, 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 and I'll do that and everything will be fine. But, but it's left open-ended. And it's left open-ended because there should be a desire in you to honor God so deeply that you figure out what it takes to respect each other. And I think the reason there's no list for respect is that people feel it differently in different ways. What you want to feel respected from your spouse is not what they want from you. And so you have to do the hard work of figuring out what it takes. But as I've watched um, couples kind of do this hard work, I've noticed that they get stuck. They get stuck on the mess. They get stuck on the fact that they've married a fixer-upper. And in many cases, what's happened is they've gone into fixer-upper mode. They've said, okay, I think I could respect them if I could train them. Like, if I could get them right, if I could get this fixed, then this relationship could be exactly what I want. And I, I think our relationships have been heavily influenced by our culture's desire to have everything perfect. You want to buy a home and move into it and not have anything to do to it. You want it to be pristine and perfect. You don't want to go through the trouble of fixing something up over time. And we've kind of gotten addicted to it, to it because um, we watch these shows on TV that kind of present this stuff too. How many of you have seen Fixer Upper, right? Everybody and their mother. Um, for the, for the two people who live in a cave in Middlebury and haven't seen the show, we're going to show you a clip of what happens. Um, basically, a couple goes out, they look at three homes, they buy something that's not good, and then they spend, you know, a cool $100,000 in a bunch of elbow grease, and all of a sudden, it's perfect. All right? That's what, that's what we're about to see. We're going to see the beginning part of that. This is what it looks like. I think my first apartment was nicer than this. Chuck and Charmaine are looking for a fixer-upper here in Waco, Texas in a neighborhood called the Sanger Heights area. We've shown them three houses. Two of the houses cost more but require less renovation. One house is a complete wreck, but it gives them the most opportunity to make it exactly what they wanted. We went back and forth, some heated exchanges. In the end, we went for the ghost house. What would we call it? The As catastrophe you, house? Yeah, you called it the catastrophe house. It's really hard to imagine it being something 
new and beautiful. Yeah, that's exactly what happens in relationships, too. You got together and you were expecting new and beautiful, and then you realized, oh my word, I married a fixer-upper. And I don't know what it's going to take to get to beautiful, but I better get to work. Maybe a good $100,000 and some elbow grease, we can get there. And you go to work on the relationship. One big problem. What's the first thing you do with a fixer-upper? Demo. Right? You got to tear stuff down. And the way we tear stuff down in our relationships is we criticize. And we go after it. And then it kind of generates defensiveness. It generates stonewalling. It can even lead to contempt where you kind of despise the fact that this person in this that I'm in this relationship with hasn't got their act together yet. And it drives you nuts. And so you push on it and you pressure it and you pressure it. And you're thinking, if I can just get them to that perfect place, this will be really great. Except the person being worked on feels like they can never be enough for you. They can't change fast enough to make you happy. And what's kind of odd about the situation is the person who's pressing for all of those changes, they find themselves frustrated because the person isn't making changes fast enough for them. And what I've discovered is both parties ended up feeling disrespected. In the fixer-upper model, when it comes to relationships, it causes a mess. And it's bound to happen because you are a fixer-upper and you married one. So the question is, what do we do? How do we enter into that? Because the scripture doesn't give us a list. It doesn't say, you have to do this, this, this. They'll feel respected and everything's going to be fine. It says you should respect them. So what do we do? Uh, I've been excited uh, to watch uh, this marriage research that's been going on now for 40 years. They come to conclusions. And every time they come to a conclusion, I'm like, yep, that's kind of what the scripture has been saying for thousands of years. And one of the things that they've concluded is that if you want to strengthen your marriage, you'll see respect show up. And they've found three general types of respect. So that's, what, that's where I want to start with. Because I think you're going to have to actually do the work to figure out what your spouse needs to feel respected. But until then, you could do some general things, some things that could actually work that communicates a level of respect to that person right where they're at. So that's, where, that's what I'm going to give you this morning so that we can honor what God has asked us to do to respect each other. So the first one I want to talk about uh, that the researchers would say is really important is recognition respect. Uh, we talked last week about how you're really different than the other person. God put you together on purpose. And your goal in that is to look at all of the differences and to come up with some of the positive things about that person that stay on your mind. And that's what you give your time and energy to. Which is frustrating. Because if you're in fixer-upper mode, you're looking at it and going, but we got some problems to fix. I can't just go away from that. What are we supposed to do about it? This is a mess. Well, here, here try this. Figure out what mess you have and start working on that for the betterment of your relationship. Let them figure out the mess they have 
and let them start working on it for the betterment of the relationship. If they own it, if they're trying to work on it, it's something that you can do together. And when that's happening, you can give your thoughts to the positive stuff, to the positive effort that you see them putting in. And it changes the level of respect that you give to each other. But if you're unwilling to give up control about how you're going to change the other person, you may never be able to express respect for this unique person that you're with. So the first is a recognition respect. The second is a word that gets used in the scriptures, um, honor. Honor each other. That almost has like this reverent feel to it. And there's a sense of reverence to it because there's something going on that's bigger than the person. That there's things about them, the uniqueness that make them up, part of it they didn't choose. Just think about this for a second. How many of you sat down and chose your personality? You said, I would like to be this way. Boom, I'm this way. How many of you chose your communication style? I imagine you learned it from somebody, but you didn't choose your communication style. How many of you chose your spiritual gift? God gave that to you, gave you a uniqueness that's different than everybody else, and it was part of his design. All of these kind of things kind of flow into your life. Here's a big one. How many of you got to choose your family? Not one. And yet somehow along the line, what happens is we look at these experiences that have made up this unique person that you're with, and you get concerned about those things, the personality, the family. Let's just use family. Let's just stick there. You look at the kind of family stuff that they've grown up with, and you ask them to change it. To change it. They've developed with it. It's a way of thinking for them. And, and what it communicates is, I think your family's messed up, but mine may have been perfect, so do it my way. It doesn't exist. There's no perfect family. They're different. And it almost communicates to that person that God made a mistake by putting you in that family where you gathered all of those experiences. I was, uh, I was watching a little video. It started to make me laugh because I do think we are shaped by all of these kind of influences in our life, especially with family. And it was a spoof, it was a spoof little video, but it was a support group for people who realized that they had started to become like their mom. Right? Um, I, I thought it was worth seeing. Check this out. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Becoming Your Mom support group. Uh, we have some visitors with us today. Welcome to you. My name is Mark, and I'm the group leader. And I think we'll start by reciting our mission statement. We love our moms, but we are not our moms. We love our moms, but we are not our moms. Carol, would you mind starting us off this week? Hi everyone, I'm Carol. Hi Carol. I'm the oldest of three roommates and I'm turning into my mom. I clean up everything after them. I've even started doing their laundry. I talk to myself in the grocery store all the time. 
All of my status updates are just pictures of kids. I don't even have kids. Same. Well, kids and recipes. The other day, I almost licked my finger and wiped the face of a total stranger. I keep saying words like garbage and tarjay. What is that? I'll send a text to someone just to let them know I sent them an email. Well, how else would they know? Right? I mean, these shoes were on sale. What am I supposed to do? Not buy them? I call my husband my son's name. And sometimes I call my son the dog's name. I always tell people, I'll be like two minutes. Then it'll be like an hour. <laughs> whoa, whoa, take it easy there. Shannon already has a tissue. We really don't need to offer her one. I do. Did you see how they let the momness overtake them? So you may not be able to avoid becoming your mom, but the key is to let the beautiful things about moms shine through in your life. The kindness, the caring, the compassion, the qualities that God gave moms when he created them. Oh, like when I text my friends, LOL, lots of love. That's not what LOL means. That's what my son told me it meant. LOL, lots of love. What else, what else would it mean? He said maybe you could avoid becoming your mom, but I don't think that's possible. How many of you have caught yourself doing stuff that your mom did, and it wasn't necessarily good? It was just the way it is. Um, I have habits that I watch my dad do, and I wonder, whoa, where did that come from? You know where that came from? Got hardwired. Got hired, hardwired into the system somewhere along the line. The way I like to think about um, this kind of stuff, personality, all of these things that you didn't choose they are the fingerprints of God on your life. These are things that God did that he did not make a mistake on. He did not make a mistake with your personality. He did not make a mistake with your family. He did not make a mistake with the spiritual gift that he gave you and the communication style that you have. You're just unique. But what happens is we see these fingerprints of God in each other's lives and sometimes they're annoying to us. And so we criticize them and we pick on them and we ask them to be changed. And how frustrating is it to have to defend something that you didn't even choose? How are you supposed to do that? How are you supposed to change your personality? Maybe if that was something that person chose and said, I think I'm going to change it a little bit for the sake of our relationship, that's one thing. But when you're demand to this person is that they have to be somebody other than who they are. It's not honoring. There's no sense of reverence for how God created them to be unique. But if you could understand that there's a part of them that has the fingerprints of God on them that's unique, and you could give them some honor for that uniqueness, not demand that they change that way that their family was. You just understand it. You go through that process with them. You can show a level of respect that your relationship needs. Uh, the third type, it's a little different than recognition. It's a little different than honoring because um, it, it acts. The, it's called appraisal respect. And it's, they use the word appraisal because it's about value. It's about assigning value to something and acting on something. 
three weeks ago, it was a Friday, I was sitting at my computer, I had my hand hovering over my mouse, and I was sitting in front of one of those emails, you know, um, the kind of email that you're wondering, should I send this or not, right? A uh, re- kind of situation had come up, I thought it was absolutely ridiculous, and that word, among many others, was in the email that was sitting in front of my computer. And, um, and I had two distinct voices in my head going on at the time. The first one was the loudest and was the most compelling as, as far as I'm concerned. And its voice said, send it, send it, send it, send it now. You're right. You're saying what's true. Send it. What are you waiting for? Send it. Right? I'm fired up. I think I should send it. But then I heard this other voice. It was much, much quieter in the background. And all it said was, send it that was it and so I was wrestling I was like got these two voices I don't know I really like the one that's yelling the loudest right now because I think I'm right and I remembered on Thursday of that week I talked to a guy who had sent one of those emails and so I decided I called him up I said hey I know you sent that email that you weren't sure if you should have or not How'd that turn out for you? Were you happy that you sent it? And we started talking about the situation, and his was really different. His had been building up for a year. It had been lots of crazy stuff that had happened to him, and he just got to a tipping point, and he just kind of dealt with it. So it wasn't really apples to apples, and I hung up with him, and I was like hand hovering over mouse, two voices still very distinct in my head, send it, send it, send it, you're right, send it right now. And then I had this thought, what would Tracy say right now? Now, she's hard to reach at work, but I thought I would try. So I dialed, and she picked up at her office right away. And I just started explaining the situation. This ridiculous thing happened, blah, 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 blah. This is how I'm going to respond to it. And she's like, read me the email. And so as I'm reading the email, I was interrupted several times by her laughing and saying, you can't say that. And I was arguing with her. Why not? I'm right. This is, um, she knows, uh, we've been together for a long time. There is uh, something that God has put in me that uh, reacts and responds to justice. It can be a really good thing because if I see something that's unjust, I'll act, I'll say things, I'll do stuff that other people wouldn't in response to that. It can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing because sometimes I can't shut my mouth, right? And so I know all of this and so does she. She's not trying to change that. But we're in the middle of this discussion. And she says to me, Blair. I thought you wanted long-term influence in people's lives. And I was like, what just happened here? She's using my words and values against me in a conversation that I started. That's not fair. What's going on? Right? So we talked about it a little bit more. She recommended a few slight changes. Said, I don't think you should say this word. I think you should take that out. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. We hung up hand hovering over the mouse. Later that night, she um, asked me, did you send the email? And I said, yes, I did. She said, did you make the changes? 
And I said, yes, I did. <laughs> I made those changes uh, because, like last week, we are, we are better together. But a side thing happened with that that I wasn't intended. It's not why I did it. It just, it's just part of this process that you have with each other. See, what happened is my wife felt respected because I valued her enough to seek her advice and then I valued her enough to follow it. I didn't do that because I was trying to curry some respect favor. It's just the way this one worked out. I don't always do it that way because I'm a fixer-upper. And so is she. But God has put us together in a way that if we could look for the things that God has placed in us, I have this justice thing, it's just the way it is. And she found a way to tap into that and to call out the best out of that. And in so doing, respected who I was, and I was able to respect her. That's appraisal respect. It's realizing I have this person who thinks differently than me, has different experiences than me, and when I can, I'm going to show them value by listening to them and heeding their words of advice. And it raises the sense of respect that you have with each other. Listen, I don't, I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know if you're in relationships where you, you're in fixer-upper mode and you're really frustrated, you feel disrespected because they're not changing fast enough, they're not doing what you want. You feel disrespected because somebody's trying to change who you are and you don't even know if you can make those changes. Or maybe you're in a pretty healthy place. But I can tell you this, what you need more of is respect. Because it's one of those things that fights off criticism fights off stonewalling, fights off defensiveness, and allows you to treat each other the way God always intended that leads to oneness. Now, I don't know if you need to make an adjustment, but as we pray, I'm going to ask that God speaks directly to you. And if there's a change that you need to make, that you'll start understanding what you need to do to respond with respect. Will you pray with me? God, the scriptures are clear. Nobody's left out. It's not just a, an issue for one gender or the other. What you expect when it comes to oneness is that we would respect each other. That we would see the value in that unique person that was created. God, I know it gets difficult because we find out that we're with this fixer-upper. But I just ask as we lean into your expectations that we would make choices that would value the other person, not force them to earn it, not pull it back if they don't give it to us. We just respect them. So God, as um, people go out from today, I ask that as they process this, that you would reveal to each and every one of us an area where we could just do better. 
where we could make a choice that would show the people that we care about, that we're in relationship with, that we respect them. And ask as we make these changes that it would become more and more of a pattern of our relationship that strengthens our marriages, strengthens our friendships, strengthens our families as we respond with respect. Give us wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen.